from India to North America to the South Seas since the 1600s. The benefits of such control were well understood. A new class of fantastically wealthy men were building mansions in England and on the continent, living like blood nobility off the bounty of colonial commerce. England had lost its American colonies to the Americans, but it still controlled most of India, regarded by Europeans as the greatest possible Asian possession. Between 1774 and 1798, the French government had entertained at least a dozen proposals from various diplomats, politicians, and businessmen to invade Egypt. Egypt, as one French diplomat counseled the ill-fated King Louis XVI, does not belong to anybody. But the time to claim it had never seemed ripe, until the right man came along. Napoleon's gambit was brazen and ill-timed. The French had just recovered from their revolution. Their economy was in tatters, civic life barely restored. The streets of Paris ran with sewage, and the city smelled worse than it had during the Middle Ages. The newly anti-monarchist country that had killed its king had been fighting wars with royalist nations for several years, diverting soldiers and materiel to Egypt in 1798, while European foes still menaced their borders, was hardly a conventional allocation of resources by the leaders of France. They were for it, though, because they longed to realize their share of the benefits of empire. Napoleon and the French government hoped that taking Egypt would be the first step toward founding a grand French empire that would encompass generous swaths of Africa and Asia. The French had made colonial incursions into Asia, but since the British repulsed them at Bengal in 1757, French influence in India had waned to almost nothing, and French leaders still salivated for a piece of the Asian pie. Egypt, with its Mediterranean coast and distant Turkish government by proxy in the form of the Mameluke dynasties, had been a tempting objective for decades. When the French arrived, the Mamelukes had ruled Egypt for more than 500 years. In Arabic, the word Mamluk means the possessed. The Mamelukes were a bizarre slave caste that had been Islam's elite fighting force for nearly a thousand years. They were white Eurasian men, kidnapped or purchased as children, and then sold at markets in Damascus, Istanbul, and Cairo, expressly to be trained in equestrian fighting and rigorous Islam in order to defend their masters. In the ninth century, this warrior slave caste androcentric, ascetic, and orthodox Muslim, overwhelmed their masters in Baghdad. From then on, although Mamelukes replenished their ranks with white boys purchased from slavers, they were slaves in name only. The Egyptian campaign had many eccentric, even unbelievable aspects, starting with the Mamelukes themselves and including the fact that the 50,000 French soldiers and sailors mustered for the invasion weren't told where they were going until their ships were almost within sight of the target. The corps of 151 Parisian artists and scientists 
organized to accompany the soldiers, was another surreal facet of the adventure. Responding to the young general's call for savants to help explore a secret destination, a group of Paris's brightest intellectual lights left the safety of their labs, studios, and classrooms, and boarded ships. Astronomers, mathematicians, naturalists, physicists, doctors, chemists, engineers, botanists, and artists, even a poet and a musicologist, locked up their desks, packed their books, said goodbye to friends and family, and undertook what was, literally for most of them, a voyage into the unknown. Bringing scientists along gave credence to the ideal of this mission civilisatrice, claiming to bring French-style culture and democracy to Arabs ruled by non-